Welcome to the Terrible Outdoorsman Podcast. You have Ryan Collin, your host. And you have Danielson in studio as well. In studio. Welcome. Hey. And who else we got, Jason? As always, tuning in from an undisclosed location, <laughs> Midland, Michigan. You got a bunker, uh, you got a bunker maybe one up of these, there? Yeah, yeah. A bunker in an undisclosed location you know, I've yet to with see adequate your, Wi-Fi. I've yet to see your, your place yet. That's why you always have your background on. I can't ever tell where you're at. Cinder block walls. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so no Bob in this episode. He is tied up at work doing army stuff. He is not going to make it. I don't think he'll even make it halfway through. Um, maybe, I guess you never know. But, and then I know Jimmy got tied up too. It was kind of a crazy day for everybody with work. Everybody had a ton of stuff going on. Normally yep. the DNR guy's late and he's actually on time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Jason, <laughs> Jason canceled on us last time or it was like halfway through. Yeah. He's like, I guess I'll show up now, guys. <laughs> I guess I'll join. So. <laughs> So yeah, it's just gonna just gonna be us and uh, and we got a special guest. Um, we're kind of on a, a good streak of a special guest, and this is another one I've been very excited about. Been setting it up for a couple months. Um, we're gonna flip the script a little bit. We've been we've been talking fishing a lot, um, and we're gonna talk a little bit of waterfowl. Yeah. Something we have yet to talk about on this show. That's true. I've kind of been saving it because I I knew I wanted to have him on, and then um, there's a few other people that I know that are having a, a waterfowl and. I actually wanted to have them on this episode, and they just couldn't make it. So, um, so we have um, from the Michigan DNR Terry McFadden um, with us. Uh, how are you, Terry? I'm doing real well, and I'm happy to be on. Appreciate you being here. Um, like I said, it's been a couple months in the in the works. Um, you kind of came through your busy season. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yep. It was a it was a good season though overall, and you know, uh, you know, we. Um, Helped a lot of hunters out, and you know we talked to a lot of hunters, and it was a trial year for us to do things, and and uh, overall I think things went pretty smoothly. Nice. So Terry, yeah. let's um let's just start it off with um let's let the listeners know I guess who you are, who you are, who you are, and what you do. All right. Well, um, my name is Terry McFadden. I'm a field operations manager for Michigan Department of Natural Resources Wildlife Division. I've been with the division since 1999. Um, and some of those years were in the UP. Um, I'm originally from uh, Lake St. Clair area. And, uh, and in 2012, I ended up uh, transferring down here as a wildlife biologist for St. Clair and Macomb counties. Um, since that time, um, I, you know, we had some retirements and we needed uh, somebody in the field operations position. And I competed for that and I was awarded that. Um, and, I, you know, right now I'm just working with uh, four units. I've got uh, the St. Clair Flats unit, the Point Bouillet unit, the Waterloo unit, and the Holly unit across. They, th- those four units spread across 12 counties down here in Northeast Michigan. So you kind of manage those, all of those counties? Yeah, I, uh, you know, I do a lot of administrative work these days, but uh, also, you know, trying to, you know, make sure that uh, budgets are where they should be. Um, and then, uh, you know, coordinating work. If we've got shortages or we need help in one unit, you know, we'll send people over to another one and, and equipment too, you know, so we, we try to work together as a team and, uh, you know, get the jobs done. Um, two of my units are managed waterfall areas and uh, we're, you know, sharing equipment here and there and, and manpower and even helping uh, like band ducks and geese. So when people are getting bands, that's a lot of our employees are putting those on, you know, ducks and geese. Um, and you know, and that's, that's across the state, but 
Southeast Michigan, you know, we leave the state and, uh, you know, the number of birds that are banded down here, we'll ban, you know, uh, 1,000, 2,000 geese um, is, and, and, you know, hundreds of mallards, uh, wood ducks, you know, on an annual basis. Very cool. So you said that uh, two of the units that you manage are, are waterfowl. So the other two units, do you manage just uh, a different category or are those waterfowl too? Well, they're upland units, so the holly and the Waterloo unit. They're um, so Waterloo. It's like Jackson County, Hillsdale County. Yep. They're inland, um, and um, you know Washtenaw County. So they're doing a lot of things with uh, Michigan Operation Freedom Outdoors um, and uh, a lot of grassland stuff, and you know helping veterans out and you know specialized hunts and gotcha. and uh, things of that nature. But you know it's mostly turkey, deer, upland, you know uh, upland game. Uh, small game and uh you know they've got a lot of units they've got a lot of state game areas over there sharonville and yep. a few others so uh holly's the same way you know it's lapeer genesee oakland county um and you know it's all upland stuff so it's inland in michigan but the coastal areas are point Mouillet and and st Clair flats gotcha okay so and when i say st Clair flats it's really harson's island so yep. Yep. Uh, you know it's a managed waterfall area yep yep so, uh, so that's how uh, Terry and I actually met um, back when I opened up the Cabela's up there in Chesterfield. Um, I don't remember exactly how it all worked. That was so long ago, but we got partnered up with you, and uh, we actually went and well, we sponsored and, and like kind of partnered up with you for that the Sinclair Flats Wild Game Dinner. Um, yeah, with those guys. Yeah, uh, you guys which, helped out a lot. It was great. Which that was uh, just a cool thing to be a part of. Um, and then uh, we actually did the duck banding with. Um, I don't, yeah, I think you were there, and uh, John Darling was there. That's right. Yeah, we took the whole uh, management staff at Cabela's. Um, this was before we even opened, and we went and banded ducks around some some ponds you guys had up there around, I think it was around Port Huron, if I remember right. Um, yeah, yeah, that was, was. Yeah. that was uh, quite the sight to see. That that whole process of corralling all these these geese, um, man, that was that was really cool. <laughs> Well, you can appreciate, you know, how much, how many, how much manpower it takes to do that, you know? So, Oh yeah. Um, you guys only had three or four DNR guys there and, uh, and, and really the rest of it was us. <laughs> and it was, yeah, uh, I mean, right. it, it and, took and, every one of us to try to corral these things, to get them into these pens so we could do the banding. And, um, just unlike anything I've ever seen, it was, it was a lot of fun, especially how they were recording all the numbers. And then there were some of the ones that, um, that we had captured were already had tags on it. So they were taking measurements of it and stuff. And it was just really cool to see for someone that I've never really, you know, been into waterfowl much at that time. And to see the process, like a, a whole different level of appreciation, like you said, what you guys do on a daily basis. Well, it, it is, it, it can be a lot of fun. It can be a lot of work too, especially when we got uh, quotas to fill, you know, it's a broader partnership when you consider the entire flyway. And uh, Michigan has to do its part, you know, so that, uh, you know, because these are migratory waterfowl and, you know, they're not just, uh, you know, stationary in one spot. They're moving across the flyway. They, they're from all the way from way up in Canada, all the way down, you know, into, you know, Florida for that matter. And and uh, so, you know, ducks and geese can move all over the landscape and, you know, knowing where they are, where they're, um, where they're, uh, where they're born, um, you know, where they move to, it's a dynamic process. So we're learning stuff all the time. Yeah. 
You know, to that point uh, that you kind of said, like the the ducks moving around and the geese moving around. What uh, what what is it that attracts them to come back? I mean, what what are the efforts that you know you guys take on a yearly basis that you know makes these birds come back to these specific areas and like even like you know kind of just even those that stick around like what makes them kind of stick around and what makes them kind of fly away for a while and know where to come back to is there anything specific that you guys do to to make that happen there's nothing that we do that's built into their nature you know they're they imprint on their mothers they also print imprint on on uh, migration routes and stuff when they're when they're young and their first migration is super important and um and they'll work their way back to similar areas and uh, you know, so anywhere we have good habitat in Michigan, you know, we we, we scout it out um, and look for you know concentrations of birds to ban because, like I said, we got to fill quotas, and um, and then we line up a strategy to get them and and you know and the manpower to help. So um, appreciate the efforts, and you know, it's a, it's a neat team building exercise for you know partners and. Um, and and for us, you know, we we use a lot of our staff. Um, they're super passionate about doing that, and we take a little bit of pride too in leading the state. So we're a little competitive. Yeah, <laughs> I think yeah. it's like it'd be but a the good... hunters appreciate it. But yeah. the hunters like you know they, they you know anytime you're talking about hunting or trapping or anything like that, it, it it goes with fishing too. It's a partnership. You know, wildlife management. We don't operate in a bubble. You know, it's it's hunters. It's managers, uh, land, you know, land managers, all working together, and um, and so we get information from hunters, and it's super important. And you know, hunters fund what we do. They fund our, you know, they they fund our livelihoods. They they fund uh, all the habitat work that we do through licenses. And a lot of people don't know that. They think it's taxes, but you know, um, you know, we, we try to work as closely as we can with hunters. Um, and if it wasn't for you know people actually harvesting these animals you know we wouldn't know much about these populations you know we're getting a lot of return on that so we survey hunters uh same goes for trappers you know um you think about it you know a lot of the things that that people are targeting like bobcat fisher martin otters they're secretive we don't see them they're how, how do you manage something like that well it's it's trappers and fur harvesters that provide us all kinds of bio data and we can survey folks and you know, we work together to glean as much information we, as we can. Well, it's even compounded when you got something that's moving across the landscape like migratory birds. So, uh, you know, we work with hunters uh, across the flyway and the other organizations, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service and other partners. So, um, you know, when people are working together, the system works really well. It's like a fine oiled machine, you know. So um, that's, that's how it should be. And that's how it should be looked at. And hunters should pride themselves at funding conservation and that's that's a crazy thing about waterfowl too and just uh because because they fly like most of these regulations are federal regulations right because they're going over state lines a lot of the times when they're migrating right so they're not yeah. and a lot of these regulations aren't necessarily michigan regulations or federal regulations right well they're federal regulations yeah so um you know we have sideboards place on us by the feds and we have to work within those parameters. Um, but you know, the, the information that we collect, let's say for wood duck, for instance, you know, uh, for a while we're only able to shoot, you know, a couple wood duck and now we can shoot three and that's directly related to, you know, we're a production state. We know that we grow wood ducks and we know when they're here and when they leave. And so now our hunters are able to, 
by you know reporting bans and and helping and assist with you know efforts um and you know now we can you know we can harvest more we we have more recreation we have fewer hunters and, and more ducks in some cases yeah. so you know but the efforts that we put in um you know working with partners and things and trying to you know increase uh, habitat value and more wetlands across the landscape uh working through grants through the federal process and and um local opportunities you know we're, we're all out there for the same reason it's conservation yep absolutely so getting back to the the banding thing so i know like when guys get a, a duck or get a get a goose that has a band on it like it's like a trophy like these guys wear them around their necks <laughs> what is what is about yeah, the what's a, what is about the bands that like what's the i guess the appeal of that I'm just not really being in into waterfowl yet because i know after this conversation i'm going to be it's going to be my latest hobby my wife's going to kill me but <laughs> um so i guess what is it about like collecting the tags that excites a waterfowl hunter well they're rare you know uh, you can hunt all season and and or you can hunt multiple seasons and never shoot a bird with a band on it and so um you know when they do get one you know it's it's kind of a prize you know it's a little yeah. extra you know the you know duck and goose is delicious um it's great table fare and um and you know to get a little token like that you, you know you remember hunts and you can remember sometimes the specific birds you took them off of so um you know i've i've, I've shot a lot of ducks a lot of geese um, I've only got a handful of bands myself, and I, I look at all these bands we're putting on. I can't believe it. I'm not shooting more banded birds. But, <laughs> you know, I, I, it's just the way it works. Yeah. You know, one thing that I see uh, some guys do is they actually put the bands on their lanyards of their duck calls. And yeah. So they kind of carry them around. And so some of the guys yeah. that I know, they have them on their lanyards. Yeah. Well, I imagine a lot of guys yeah, don't necessarily a- get, like, their ducks like taxidermied, right? I'm sure some do, but like, I, it's not like you shoot a big buck and like, it's like you said, it's your trophy. Like it's your, yep. your souvenir. You, you, that's your remembrance of all oh, that, that hunt, that time that I got, we, we limited out in yeah. this area. But. Yep. I've got a, I've got a black duck on the wall. Are you really? Yep. Where, there I you go. See, I haven't seen yep. that. Yeah, it's at home. I mean, it was cool. Cause it was like, <laughs> it's one of those like non, it's, it's one of those unique birds in my opinion. It's like, yeah, you can shoot mallards, you know, all, all that stuff all day, but that's, it's black duck, man. It's pretty cool. Ooh. So it's a beautiful, beautiful yeah. bird. Interesting. Well, yeah. we're blessed in this state. We've got a lot of opportunity, and you know, we've got um, a, a massive variety of waterfowl that work their way across here. And we have, um, you know, I remember when I was when I was young, um, I was talking to some folks. It was a group of us, and there was a few, a couple guys from uh, Arkansas that came up, and they were they were used to hunting uh, flooded timber and. One of my friends is talking to him about hunting ponds up here, and and they asked me if I had duck hunted, and I said, you know, well, yeah, but mostly like you know for divers. And boy, their eyes got big, and they said, you hunt the big water. I said, yeah, it's basically well, all I do is hunt the big water. I I I hunt a lot of puddle ducks these days, but uh, I grew up hunting, you know, Lake St. Clair for pelagic ducks, you know, for you know bluebills, uh, scop. Uh, well, greater, lesser scop, uh, the bluebills, uh, redheads, and, um, you know, finally shot cans. But, um, you know, a lot of, uh, we're known for bufflehead in this state, which is, you know, thank God for bufflehead's. Otherwise, I think we'd had a few uh, skunk days. But um, <laughs> and those bufflehead's. Yeah, I mean, you know, bufflehead's have the, the, the best hairdo. You know, <laughs> they do, yeah. But, but uh, you know, we're, we're very blessed. We've got um, all kinds of opportunity. 
in, in Michigan, especially Southeast Michigan between Saginaw Bay all the way down to Lake Erie. You know, that's Saginaw Bay. That's a, that's a pretty wild area to hunt. Cause I, I've, I've been up there before and they actually have these blinds that are built into the bay to where the, yeah. the guys actually take their boats and they park their boats under the dock or under the, under the blind. And they climb up a little ladder and they have this like elevated blind. Like in the water? It's in, in, in the middle of the bay. Like you literally what? have to motor your boat to the blind. And uh, yeah, I mean, these ducks will fly by all day long. What? It's crazy. And, yeah. and to Terry's point about those divers, those divers are a wild bird to watch. It's it's pretty cool, man. I you told know, you after at the end yeah. of this, I'm I'm yeah. gonna be I'm gonna, gonna be spending a way too much money on Cabela's. <laughs> he just bought that ice fishing shan. He's gonna take it back and buy some duck calls. <laughs> well, I don't know if I'm gonna have ice to use a damn, damn thing. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, that's, that's funny. Well you can you can spend a million bucks on just about anything these days, but oh, you can really true. get into duck hunting with you know, just a a little bit of equipment, you know, a dozen decoys, a shotgun and a pair of waders. Um, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, people, they'll buy like super expensive calls and all kinds of things. But if you don't know what you're doing with a call, you can scare away a lot of ducks too. And, yeah, that's me. Um, you know, that's me. <laughs> sometimes you're better off just let the decoys work. Yep. You know? Hey, Terry, so a question about the uh, the species and stuff. Is is there a number of, like, a, I guess an estimated number of species of different species that we have here in Michigan that are, like, huntable species? Um, well, all of our waterfall essentially is is huntable, um, you know, and... You know, we, we have a lot of opportunity for geese these days. We never had that back when I was a kid. You know, we hardly had any geese, and the population's really come up. It's actually a little bit above goal. Um, we're not seeing the population grow much, but, you know, there's all kinds of upland opportunity for geese. Um, we've got um, tons of puddle ducks. So you got your mallards, black ducks, uh, wood ducks, pintail, um, you know, gadwall, widgeon. There's a, you know, blue wing, green wing teal. Um, and, and they're a lot of fun. They're really tasty. They're, you know, they're, they're a great time to hunt. Um, and, um, and then we got all the divers. So you got, uh, and, and anymore, you know, we've got more long tail ducks out there. What was formerly called the old squaw. You know, we're seeing a lot of those down in Southeast Michigan out in the big water, like, uh, Lake Huron, uh, uh and then, uh, St. Clair river, even into Lake St. Clair and Lake Erie these days. Um, but Leah, you know, and then, and then of course you've got, um, you know, Lake St. Clair is really known for redheads and campus backs, a handful of, uh, bluebills. You get down to Erie, they're really known for like the bluebills. The scop really like to concentrate down there and, you know, people go after them with layout boats and things. So that gets pretty expensive. And sometimes people are better off pooling their money and buying equipment as opposed to trying to buy everything themselves, you know, yeah. for something like that. But, those are some of your hardcore hunters. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody else actually just told me that. They said, if you wanted to get into it, find a group that, you know, maybe is already established or find some buddies and everybody like throws their money in. Cause otherwise, did you tell me that? Yeah. <laughs> when did you tell me that? It was a few weeks ago we were talking All about right, when we so, were talking about Terry's episode. Well, Dan told me this. <laughs> They're like, that's the best way of doing it. Cause otherwise it, it can be very expensive. Like if, I mean, I've watched some videos where guys have like, it looks like two, 300 decoys out there. Like. Who can afford that? <laughs> Everybody. Yeah, oh, not me. Know, not well, collectively. <laughs> collectively. Well, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You get a group. But, so, but um, you can get some cheap decoys and put a couple strings together. Uh, and I'm only talking like a couple, you know, a couple dozen decoys. 
if you you know and and you can still you can still attract divers um you know if you get near shore get into some bull rush um and just have uh you know relatively few decoys and just add to them every year you know you can next thing you know you got a pretty decent spread you know not a lot of people start out with you know buying 100 or 200 decoys that's um, what I, that's what i said about accumulate things over time. that's what i said about musky lures <laughs> so i'll just i'll just buy a couple musky lures and you know a couple thousand dollars later I'm <laughs> yeah I'm, there I'm, you go i'm in the hole now so yeah um all right so you just mentioned a whole bunch of different types of ducks so educate me a little bit is are there different limits on different ducks like if you're hunting them like and, yeah. and, and if there is how how do you identify them when they're flying through the air if that's the case so um yeah there's there are different limits um and and you know ever since i can actually remember you know back to after the 80s in the 80s we had a point system so it was a little bit different um but uh these days you know it's uh it's a six duck limit that we've had um for you know decades and um within that limit you know you can shoot uh this year particularly you can shoot you know four mallards two of them could be hens um you could only shoot one pintail uh two black ducks um three wood ducks. So your, your six duck limit, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's comprised of a variety of different ducks. Okay. Um, but you know, you, you could shoot six teal, um, blue wing or green wing teal. There's a lot of teal around, especially in October. Um, so yeah, it's, you gotta know what you're, you gotta know the species. You gotta be good at identity. And uh, especially in the air, you don't want to kill them and find out that you're over limit on a species. Right. And so if you can find somebody to mentor you or, or, uh, you know, um, especially when it comes to like mallards, you know, you don't want to be over limit on hens, you know, so you got to make sure that you know what you're shooting at. And that's, that's where you got to be patient, you know, work them in close, you take better shots. And, um, but if you can find somebody to go out with that has been duck hunting for long enough that they've got some experience in duck ID, especially on the wing, you know, that, that's some of your, you know, they, they can call them in the air, let you know what to shoot, what not to shoot. You know, you shoot one pintail, you don't want to shoot another pintail. And, um, but that changes every year. It ba- it's based on, uh, on surveys, band data. Uh, the, the feds also, um, they collect a lot of information like wings and, you know, we do the, uh, if anybody buys like a, a waterfall license, um, they'll, they'll have to fill out a survey uh, when they, when they buy their next license. And, and that survey is, um, is how the federal government the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service determines, um, you know, who's actually targeting ducks and geese. And then they'll send surveys to those specific people. And sometimes you're in a random pool where you'll be asked to, uh, and I actually had this this year where I was asked to fill out a log of all my hunts and, you know, duck hunting and goose hunting. And then, uh, but in the past, I've been asked to submit wings and wings from ducks and uh and tail feathers from geese so they can determine uh, sex age and uh species <laughs> and it gives them an idea of productivity uh where ducks are being harvested um and how you know the composition of the of the duck harvest in each state <laughs> and that's how we know that michigan is known for buffaloes. <laughs> we, <laughs> we we uh we lead the nation uh most years in uh or, or at least the flyway in, in buffalo harvest. Hmm. 
Now, 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 for those who may not know, these are these are daily limits, correct? Right. Yeah, they're daily limits, and you know, for a long time we've had a sixty-day limit, but we've been down to a thirty-day limit before. You wow. know, forty-five-day okay. limits and thirty-day limits. Um, you know, for a long for a long time on Lake St. Clair, canvasbacks were off limit. You couldn't shoot any canvasbacks. Um, now you can shoot two. So, uh, yeah, it's you know, it changes every year. Um, this stuff is highly regulated. Um, and, and, and those are those changes made at the federal level then? Some of it is. Yeah. A lot of it is like the framework, you know, they tell us the maximum that we, the maximum days we can hunt the, uh, the, the maximum number of species that we can shoot and the maximum bag per hunter. Um, and then we can work with it. We can be more, more, um, conservative than, the framework we can never be more liberal for instance like if they say you could shoot four mallards two could be hens we can't say we'll shoot five mallards <laughs> you know yeah. we can we can say that we'll shoot four mallards and only one can be a hen oh, okay we and we have done that for years so we can be more conservative gotcha okay yeah but okay. we can never exceed the federal framework gotcha yep hmm. and what what you said that the uh, is the teal is that the most common that you would see if you were to go hunting? Uh, mallard is actually the most common, but okay. there's so many teal around and they're early migrators. So we just don't have a, uh, they're not here for a long time. Gotcha. So especially okay. blue wing teal, they're here for the early part of October. And uh, then they usually scoot. So as it starts, you know, the weather starts changing. Uh, actually they, they peak their migration peaks around uh, uh, early September. Like, you know, the first week of September, the blue wing, teal are usually already you know they're peaking on their way through so now uh, we're getting the tail end of them when our season starts up gotcha okay yep all right so man that's that's a lot of good info so all right let's go let's go back a little bit so obviously man you can tell your your passion about waterfowl and you're knowledgeable so i guess how did you get into to waterfall it was funny, um, you know, growing up in Harrison Township, uh, you know, in Macomb County here, um, you know, we didn't have any opportunity for for deer, uh, you know, or uh, turkey. There were no turkey around or anything like that. And, you know, I had uh, relatives that hunted, but not many of them hunted ducks. A few of them did. They'd go out and shoot some mallards and stuff from time to time. But I had a buddy. Um, whose dad was a passionate waterfowler, um, you know, ever since he was a kid. And so he had decoys, he had some gear, we used it, uh, cleaned it up, painted decoys, did all kinds of stuff. And, uh, you know, and, and he lived right on Lake St. Clair. So we were hunting right off the seawall back in the eight, you know, like 1980, we were hunting right off the seawall. And then we had, um, so we did that for the, you know, 30 or 45 days seasons that we had. And, we had to learn our ducks and um, which was really interesting because I had no idea that there were other ducks besides mallards at, the, at that time. And, um, and all of a sudden all these divers are coming in and we're shooting bluebills and, and redheads and we couldn't shoot canvas backs. And so, um, you know, we had to learn our ducks and you get an eye for it. But um, then we were always wanting to go deer hunting, but you know, we go to deer camp for a weekend and come back and it was like, you know, try to hunt ducks and, and then we'd hunt rabbits all winter long. But, you know, I, I just had a passion for hunting and it seemed like, uh, 
duck hunting was convenient. And then I learned that it was so much fun and ducks are tasty. And, and it just went from there and it became a, a a really big passion for me and a lot of my friends. And so it's, you know, some people go golfing with their pals and they, they go out and, and, you know, a lot of camaraderie and you're talking and everything else and laughing and joking. Well, we do that in, in a duck blind or a boat and the same thing, you know, we'll have two people out in a layout boat and the rest of us are in a, like a, a, a big boat, um, having coffee and donuts and laughing and joking and, and, you know, poking fun at people when they miss. So, you know, it's, it's, it's just the pastime and it's a lot of fun. Let's see. That's, that sounds like my kind of hunting. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's one of my favorite parts about duck hunting and like, I guess even goose hunting as well. It's, it's, it's not as serious when it comes to like really needing to be quiet and you, know, you can kind of joke around and, yeah. you know, have some fun and stuff. And, you know, like sometimes you can even like get, you can like stand up, you know, and be a little more comfortable <laughs> than sitting in a blind. And I, yeah, I think one well, of the social, yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. And I, I think one of the best parts about it is, is when you, when you're out there in the blind first thing in the morning before the sun comes up and you hear the wings, you know, over your head and it's like, Oh boy, it's coming. It's It's time. It's time, you know? And, uh, and then there's something about that. It is magic. Yeah. Um, I had my kids out at Harson's. Yeah. I had my kids out at Harson's, uh, their very first hunt. Uh, Actually they weren't hunting. They were just little kids. And I had them in a boat and I just took them. My wife was at work and I said, you know, it's a beautiful day. Um, and I, I, it was so bluebird out. There was no wind. It was warm. I'm like, there's going to be nobody out there. And so I went out and I took a, the draw had already occurred. And so I didn't get a, I didn't get into the managed draw, but there was a, a whole field that was open. So I went out there with my kids. And I, I found one of the zones that had like a little island in it. So they ran around in their muck boots and um, played in the corn. I said, if I start blowing my my duck call, you guys freeze. And I said, you know, I had the decoys downwind of us, of course. It wasn't much wind. It was super sunny out. Um, and all of a sudden I had a, a, a drake uh, mallard come in. I shot it. Then I had a hen and a drake come in. I missed the drake. And then uh, later on, I had two hens and another drake come in. I shot that drake. And then um, my kids got so muddy and wet that they were freezing. And I said, okay, it was like, I think it was, uh, we were only out there for an hour and a half. And um, their boots were full of water. They're ready to go. And I said, okay, I'll go get the boat. And I went to go get the boat. And I turned around. And there was about 20 mallards and black ducks hovering right over their head. And I, I went over to pick them up. And they, they were so impressed. They talked about listening to their wings and looking at these ducks, just circling around them. And it was, and that's all they want to do anymore. It's just duck hunt. They don't want to deer hunt. Uh, my daughter likes the turkey hunt, but they just want to duck hunt and they love eating duck. And they, they just think it's amazing out there in the marsh. It's funny you say that. Cause one of my buddies from high school, like he was a diehard hunter and we, we used to always talk deer hunting and deer camp, opening day deer camp, um, how it was such a tradition. We talked about it on the show. Well, now that he's gotten into um, duck hunting, um, duck hunting, goose hunting, everything, 
um, like 10 years ago, him and his dad now opening day, they avoid all the, the hunters in the woods and they go up to Saginaw Bay. That's their new opening day tradition is they go to Saginaw Bay for like four days and they limit out every year. And they rather do that than deer hunting. To me, it's like I haven't gone to deer camp for God, 25 years, it seems like. So, like, to me, it'd be, it'd feel really mm-hmm. weird to not go to deer camp. But to them, like, that's their new deer camp is that once they got into waterfall, like, it was game over. And I hear that so often. I think that's why I'm afraid to get into it. <laughs> well, our season opens up in October. Um, you know, down here, generally, it's, it's recently, it's been the um, second Saturday of October. Uh, we have pushed it back occasionally. This year it was a little bit late start. Um, but you know, it's, it's, we got a lot of opportunity. It's still pretty warm. Um, ducks are a little bit tougher to ID because they're, you know, they're still in their, in their molt. So they're in what they call an eclipse, um, molt. Um, so they're, they're still in their summer, their summer pillage. Um, but you know, it, it, as they get into November, they, they color up really nice and, um, you know, it, it's just a lot of fun. And, and so that that's, Part of the, I mean, I don't bow hunt as much as I used to when I lived in the UP because it gets in the way of my duck hunting, you know? <laughs> yep. You know, so another, you can uh, sit in what's up, dude? I was going to say, so sorry, we an, all another to talk uh, question over each other. <laughs> yeah, we, we love to do that, especially with Zoom. So, um, but no, I was going to say, so with, when, when it comes to the, to the ducks and sell themselves, um, there might be some people that may see like mounts or they may like see them at, you know, Cabela's or Bass Pro Shops and stuff on the wall. And they, they may see the, the hook feathers on the tail. Can you tell us a little bit about what the, uh, what the curls on the feathers mean? Yeah, it's a Drake trait. So the, uh, the males will have the curl feathers and it's, um, you know, primarily you see that on your, on your, uh, puddle ducks, your, um, there's basically two different kinds of ducks you get. There's a few different kinds, but majority of it is divers or puddle ducks. Your divers have the legs way back. They dive down into the water, uh, underwater to get uh, submerged vegetation. Um, and then you, you go over to uh, puddle ducks where they tip up like mallards and, and teal and black ducks. And, uh, so they'll, you know, they can feed like 18 inches under the water. They'll tip their tail up, um, and and you know they'll they'll dabble on the bottom uh they can also reach up and grab like uh corn it's you know 18 inches off the water too you know they can they're pretty um resourceful as far as you know getting like food that's 18 inches above them or 18 inches below them that's kind of the feeding range for them but you get into the deeper water and that's where you start getting into your divers Hmm. where they'll dive down i'm Old squall will dive down hundreds of feet, 250 feet, and and get mussels and all kinds of things down on the bottom. But, um, you know, uh, a lot of them are diving down, um, eating weeds, you know, uh, uh, wild celery, um, sago, uh, all kinds of uh, plants like that, um, eating tubers of plants along the lake, the lake bottom, and... Um, and the weeds themselves, along with like um, crustaceans and and uh, other invertebrates, so they're you know they're the divers are actually diving under the water basically. So they're they got a little bit different shape to them, and they they have a totally different feeding power uh, feeding feeding pattern than mallards. It's like a science, it really is. <laughs> 
It is. Well, there's, nice. there's a lot to it. Yeah, there's a lot to it. And we get, you know, we get, um, you know, big migrations of, of all these ducks that come through. Um, hundreds of thousands of ducks work their way through southeast Michigan every year across the state. But especially down here, you know, we've got shallow lakes, Lake St. Clair, Saginaw Bay, Lake Erie. The reason that those are so popular is because they're relatively shallow. They've got... Um, the sun can reach the bottom. It increases, you know, it, it, it promotes weed growth. And, um, you know, it's nothing for these ducks to dive down and get all kinds of uh, forage as they fatten up for the migration south. And they'll do the same thing on the way back north. Yeah, it's, that's fascinating. It's very, very <laughs> cool. All right, so I got um, uh, I got a couple of actually listener questions. Um, a couple of our listeners are avid waterfowl guys, and I gave them a heads up that you were going to be on. So they sent me a couple of questions they wanted me to ask you. So um, okay. I figured this probably be a fitting time. So the first one, kind of a two-parter. So where is the the state of the, the waterfowl population for Michigan? And the second part is what challenges are you facing on, the, on, on your side, DNR level? What's the biggest challenge uh, managing the, the waterfowl population right now? Um, well, the first question, uh, populations fluctuate quite a bit. And, and a lot of that coincides with, uh, um, with like spring water conditions across the breeding ranges. So um, anywhere that we've got uh, waterfowl production, uh, all the way up into like, you know, Alberta, Saskatchewan, uh, the, you know, North Dakota, Prairie, Canada, um, and then Minnesota, um, Michigan, anywhere we've got, uh, you know, good wetlands in the north, um, you're going to see better productivity. Um, but, you know, when we get, um, you know, severe droughts in some cases, that will definitely impact, um, you know, populations. So, it, it, it's, it's overall, you know, we've got a healthy duck population. Um, we've got, we've had more ducks, but, um, you know, some years we have, uh, you know, like mallards, we're seeing a decline in the Great Lakes area on mallards. So we're putting a lot of effort into research on why that is, where we've got, um, uh, we're, we're doing a lot of mallard banding. We're doing some even, um, uh, you know, receivers, uh, GPS locators on some ducks, trying to figure out where they're going, when they're going, um, and where they're breeding and things. And so there's a lot of effort that goes into this stuff, but, uh, like I said, it's a dynamic system. So overall the duck population is very good, but, uh, you know, we're seeing declines sometimes in like pintail, you can only shoot one pintail this past year. Um, and, you know, for a long time, we can only shoot one black duck. But um, now that, uh, you know, those are really uh, found in the northeast portion of the of the North America. So uh, what's going on with them is really not hunting related. So now, we, you know, it's it's habitat. And uh, there's, there's actually more black ducks than we thought because we're surveying places that they're found. Um, not not Michigan, but, you know, up in the northeast uh portions of uh, the u.s and into canada so they're surveying places and finding more ducks and and so now we can shoot two black ducks but um so the, the population is very dynamic and i'm sorry what was the other question so uh if any what what's the biggest challenge that you're facing i guess on a, a michigan dnr level right now with like with managing the the population oh it's always funding <laughs> you know trying to <laughs> 
trying to um, make sure that, uh, you know, our, our money is, uh, you know, it's, it's everything becomes more expensive. And, um, and yet, you know, we're losing hunters. And that's a concern because there's really nothing else to take up that funding source for Michigan. Um, you know, and I know we cry about money a lot, but, you know, it's just a matter of fact. I mean, a couple of years ago, you know, we, we like, I'm going to give you an example. Like on Harsons Island, um, we have um, three full-time staff on the island. Then we have a wildlife biologist that's, that's off the island in Mount Clemens. Um, so we have, you know, three full-time staff at Harsons Island. Uh, those three uh, people, um, they'll plant 800 acres of waterfall habitat. And that's corn, sorghum, buckwheat, millet. And they also manage um, 1,600 acres of uh, impounded marshes. Um, they do a lot, and they manage a hunt. So you know they're they're out there in equipment all the time. They're harvesting corn, they're planting corn, buckwheat. They're making decoy openings, all this stuff. When you think about that as a from a farming perspective, you know fertilizer just a year ago cost us twenty five thousand dollars to to plant uh, 800 acres of corn and and all this stuff. This year it was fifty thousand dollars. It doubled. The price of fertilizer doubled. You, you think about the inputs that farmers have to to work. Um, we're feeling it, you know. And so, equipment costs more, fuel costs more, everything costs more, and we're losing hunters. You know, how do we recruit hunters? How do we uh, get other people to participate? You know, that that's an issue. It's a big issue because, you know, without uh, funding, we don't have employees. We don't have habitat. We don't have you know, all the things that we offer. So that, that's a huge challenge. Um, waterfowl specific. Um, sometimes we see declines in populations and we don't know what's, what the trigger is. So um, with, with Great Lakes mallards, um, you know, we're concerned because we shoot a lot of, we, we hunt a lot of our uh, homegrown mallards per se. You know, it used to be 50% uh, uh, of the mallards that we harvested were from the Great Lakes region. And, um, you know, now it's 78%. So we know that uh, that a lot of our ducks that we're harvesting as far as mallards are, are produced right here in Michigan and Minnesota and, and Wisconsin. So um, a little bit in, in Ontario, but we, you know, we don't have those prairie birds working across here very much, you know, like they used to. So there, there's really good habitat in North Dakota and South Dakota now, and not just Prairie Canada. So a lot of that, um, the migration goes due south and it, it bypasses the Great Lakes. The only time we do see that is where we do see some of those birds moving across is when we have severe droughts inland and across the prairies. And then they'll work to the Great Lakes because it's a permanent water source. So there's lots of different challenges out here. Yeah. Well, I think you probably gained a hunter at least out of one of the terrible outdoorsman crew. <laughs> and I and I, and I love it. I just haven't had the the right opportunity and the right group of guys to kind of go with. And I I think it's something that we can do and we can have a ton of fun with. And uh, you know, it's nice because we don't always have to freeze. I mean, yeah, it gets cold, yeah. but like the early season. I mean, it's sometimes you got to like delayer out after the first yeah. thing in the morning, you know, and. Um, you know, some of the yep. challenges that I've I've ran into even with that is it, it's just as simple as fog. You know, it's like you yeah. think you like run into like all these issues and it's like, well, <laughs> you just can't see, you know, yeah. that's that's plain and simple. You, you know, you can't so, shoot what you can't see. Right. Yep, that's right. You just so, hear well, them, you well, hear you them and you just start it. fire. 
Yeah. Well, when you think about it, that you know the 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 peak of our migration is uh, like the third week of October or the first week of November. That's the peak of our migration. Yeah. Now the public doesn't see that all the time because they they think that um, one of the things that uh, throws throws uh, folks off a little bit is that. Um, you know, when we have hunting pressure and fishing pressure on like places like Lake St. Clair, Lake Erie, um, a lot of those pelagic ducks, the divers and stuff will work their way over to Canada. It's almost a big refuge over there on the on Lake St. Clair. And, um, you know, on the, the Canadian regulations, uh, hunters aren't allowed to, to hunt uh, past like a thousand meters from emergent vegetation. So they're really near shore, coastal where they're hunting. And, um, so, you know, um, but a lot of diver ducks, you know, they, they won't uh, tolerate a lot of uh, boats or, uh, pressure. So they'll work their way over to that refuge. that's out in, I mean, Lake St. Clair is 430 square miles. It's big, even though it's one of, it's a small, it's not considered a great lake even, but it's still relatively huge. You know, you're talking about a lake. Um, so there's a lot of places out there for ducks to refuge, take refuge where they're not getting pushed around. Um, when the season ends, we've got a lot of food on our side because we've got a lot of clear water. It's really turbid water over on the Canadian side because they don't have all the currents that we do on the Michigan side from the St. Clair River that flows down from Lake Huron. So we got a lot of clear water. We got a lot of weed beds. The ducks want to feed there. And so as soon as the season ends and, all, and a lot of the pressure takes off, the ducks are back. And in groups of tens of thousands and um and so people see that and they think oh they're finally here well they've been here since like november 1st or whatever but um you know so it, it's um you know perspectives are a little bit different you know when we fly the lake and we're, we're surveying ducks you know we we know that the majority of divers are here early november and uh, and that's a long-term trend that we've that we've noticed and documented um, and then, you know, it's, um, so you think about like early November and, and late October, this is still relatively good weather and people can get out and hunt. Um, you know, majority of hunters, you don't need a lot of warm gear. You know, you, you we get some warm days, uh, days in the fifties and sixties where you, you know, you can get a lot of people out there. You don't have firearm season of deer to contend with yet or compete with. Yep. Um, but there's a lot of opportunity. <laughs> Now, are you? This is a this is a typical terrible outdoorsman question. Oh God! Are, are you? Do I need able, the Jimmy button? No, 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 no. <laughs> this is actually. Yeah. <laughs> you notice how I was like, no, 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 no. Hold on. <laughs> he always does that. <laughs> um, are you allowed to fish and hunt at the same time? Yeah, yeah, you can. So you can essentially yeah. like what they call like. I've heard it said before, like, and this is a n- very non-professional term, but cast and blast. <laughs> and we, we, we should try that. We should hunt muskies and ducks at the same oh time. Don't don't even start. So there, <laughs> there, there are there are groups out here that have uh, one man or two man layout boats, and so you're only talking one or two people that are hunting at one time, and you've got you know a bigger boat or a, a tender that'll go collect ducks when you're in a layout boat out in the middle of the lake um you know it's anchored so the other the rest of the crew is back in the big boat you know drinking coffee you know eating whatever having lunch you know just laughing and some of them people bring perch poles and they'll sit out there and fish for perch so yeah there's nothing illegal about that 
See? Now that's an idea. That's my kind of sport. <laughs> that's an idea. I can fish and I can shoot things. Like, I'm in. That's yeah. it. That's all I needed. I'm in. <coughs> I'm in. Yeah. Um, so, so kind of looking in the future, Terry, so for 2023, do you have, um, I guess, goals, something you're shooting for, whether it be for funding or like what's your plan for this year? Uh, do you have something that you like uh, something you're striving for? As far as big plans, um, we're just trying to get some habitat projects done. Uh, you know, between Point Mouillé, we've got uh, a lot of infrastructure. Um, Harsons Island, we've got a lot of infrastructure. We're trying to improve access in these places. We're trying to um, replace old pumps. Um, and so, yeah, it's, um, you know, make sure that we've got the funding for equipment to do that stuff. We're working with partners really closely. Um, these days, our partners are more important than just about anything, you know, as far as our, you know, local ability to operate. Um, so we've got, uh, like, at, uh, at Point Mouillet, you know, they've got the Gibraltar Duck Hunters. they got Waterfall USA. Um, they've got uh, the Point Mouillet Waterfall Festival. I don't know if anybody's if many of your listeners are familiar with that, but, you know, that's really cool too. I should actually, uh, I'll touch on that a little bit too um, after I'm done with this, but um, at Harsons Island, we've got uh, St. Clair Flats Waterfall uh, Hunters Association or the Waterfallers. We've got the uh, Harsons Island Waterfall Hunters Association and, um, you know, Blue Water Chapter of uh, Michigan Duck Hunters. And all of them, you know, they're, they're very good at fundraising helping out where, where, um, you know, this, the state's lacking in funding and, um, and coming to our aid. I mean, in 2020, our funds got frozen, you know, because of the condition of, uh, COVID and the pandemic. Um, and, you know, we had zero ability to, uh, zero ability to spend money at that time. And our clubs were pooling money and coming up with tens of thousands of dollars Fifty thousand dollars to to fund, you know, between uh, corn seed, fertilizer, all the rest of it, so that, you know, basically what it came down to is they wanted to make sure that our refuges were uh, suitable for migratory waterfall. They said at that point we don't even care if we can hunt, but the refuges have to be planted. We got to have food. The ducks are going to show up. We have to have something for them, and you know that's that's where their efforts went. And um, but we ended up being able to do more, and uh, we had a very good hunt that year. Um, but we had to modify things because we couldn't operate the way that we had in the past. But that's just an example of how important our partners are. Nice. I think uh, I, I think we need a team building event with the terrible outdoorsmen to go do some duck banding, help these guys out. <laughs> well, if anybody's interested, you know, we've got a lot of information on our website too. With uh, if you look at, um, you know, like anybody can Google like or YouTube. Um, Harsons Island, Point Mouillet, uh, St. Uh, let's see, um, uh, trying to think, Shiawassee River State Game Area, Fish Point, Nyquin Point. Um, we call them the Wetland Wonders across Southern Michigan, and we've got five out of the seven in Southeast. And um, so if you look up Wetland Wonders, there's uh, really cool YouTube videos that our, our, our local managers put together. Um, and they were working with Sean Stahl at the time to put some really good professional video together and they give you a, um, a rundown of the operations is general these days because you know some of the rules and regulations have changed but um it, it'll really give you a good idea of what you're in for if you go to like some of our managed waterfall areas and 
honestly, all of our staff hunt, you know, they're, they're, um, they're, they're, most of them are very good waterfall hunters and, um, they encourage new people to get a hold of them, contact them and, um, you know, show up preseason, uh, make arrangements to meet with them. Uh, we have open houses, you know, check out the open houses, uh, and some of the events like, um, Saginaw Bay Waterfall Festival or Point Media Waterfall Festival. You know, those were, I was, I was going to mention that, um, like Point Media Waterfall Festival has been around for, I think, 80 years or something like that. And, you know, it's been around. It, it, that was back in the day when you had to go somewhere and meet the people that were making calls and decoys and things in order to buy gear. Um, and, you know, that was before they had Cabela's and Gander Mountains and Bass Pros and or Amazon where you could have things delivered to your door. <laughs> but, uh, you know, these days we have fewer people that go to these events, but, you know, they're still popular, they're traditional, and they, you know, they do a lot of th- fun things for kids. Um, so it's, you know, there's still a lot of people that enjoy going to those and, and meeting with other hunters and talking to hunters and talking to staff. But uh, between open houses and these festivals, you know, we are a resource for the public. You know, that's who we're, that's who we manage for. I'll get some of these uh, some of these sites from you, Terry, and I'll link them in the bio if anybody's interested. I'll link them in the bio of this podcast and get them on our social media too. So any help that we can we can give, and I'm yeah, all, I'm all about it. We're all yeah, about abs- conservation and absolutely and helping out, and and uh, you know we know we know the DNR never gets enough money, right, to be <laughs> to yeah. do what they need to do. Well, so. <laughs> Seriously. So we have spring open houses. We have fall open houses at these managed waterfall areas. Talk to our staff, you know, look online, figure out when they're going to be. And, um, you know, you can go around and walk around, check them out and you get all kinds of information from, from the folks, you know, right from the horse's mouth. You can, they give you tips and tricks on, you know, how to hunt the areas, the kind of gear that you need. And, um, and in the past we've even had swap meets at some of these places. So, you can get old gear and, and, you know, talk to some of the people that, uh, you know, we got an aging population and, you know, we're only able body temporarily, you know, so some people are getting out of it and they, they want to see their gear go to kids and stuff that they're, you know, interested in getting out in the outdoors. That's what it's about. Getting the outdoors. Yep. yep. Get the outdoors and don't be terrible. Especially getting kids <laughs> in the outdoors, right? Yeah, like, yeah. is there the future of the sport? If we don't, then they're just going to sit there and play video games all day. Yeah. <laughs> you, know? you know, and I, and, and you know, I think all of us are pretty good advocates of that. I mean, especially with, you know, you and, and Bob and your, you know, your guys' kids, like I, I see that. And I, like, I see pictures of like Bob and his daughter and like, I see videos of, you know, you and, you know, you, you took Jackson out fishing and, you know, that, that, that stuff to me is just awesome. You know, and I, and you'll be able to do it soon too. Hey, soon enough, man. <laughs> soon enough. Yeah. Yeah. But Dan, yeah, I, Dan I just and his great. wife are, are expecting Terry. So yeah, we are. <laughs> oh, congratulations. That's yes. fantastic. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. I appreciate that. We, we had a, um, a learn to hunt event over on Belle Isle, uh, last summer. And, um, and it was great. We had all kinds of people from like Saginaw were coming down, a lot of local folks in Detroit, you know, and it was really neat because regardless of like backgrounds or, you know, um, anything, it was, uh, if you're a parent, man, we're all on the same page as far as getting the kids in the outdoors, you know, or it's, it's, it's the same fight, you know, it's the same fight, getting away from the electronics, getting away from the computers. It was, 
It's so hard. It's so hard nowadays to get them away from electronics. Like it's just they, especially coming out of COVID, right? Like they, their schooling was on computers, right? So they know computers, they know phones. Like my seven year old can work an iPhone probably better than me or my wife. So (laughs) yeah, and that's sad. Terry, don't let him fool you. It's coming from the guy who invited me over to his house. So I kind of invited myself to his house (laughs) earlier this weekend, earlier this week, and we sat and played video games for three hours. So oh yeah, (laughs) I'm all about it when it's. 12 degrees outside and nothing else to do but yeah yeah over the summer i didn't turn on my video games once too much and well i wouldn't think i went a year but i'm gonna go home from here and probably play video games so <laughs> nerd <laughs> all right so bob has been able to join us welcome bob oh hi <laughs> bob, what's happening bob made it uh made it home from work in time to join us for a little bit finally so. finally yeah. what a day yeah Sounds like you guys are talking about ducks. We are. That's quack something, something you, something you <laughs> know waiting. nothing about. I know so. nothing. <laughs> He's been waiting all day just to say just I, that. Yeah, I've been, I was I was brainstorming. What's, what's, a, what's a cheesy way he to said, say something about ducks? He, he said that's quacktastic. His fifth <laughs> oh, word, yeah. he said. Yeah. <laughs> and this, see, we, we, were, we were going good, and then you got on, and we just derailed us. <laughs> yeah, I, I bring the real estate down around here, Terry. <laughs> oh, man. Um, all right. So here's another terrible question that it just, I, I, I just don't know the answer. And I thought about it and I may be dumb for asking, but I don't know. Are you allowed to bait when it comes to waterfowl? And, and absolutely you know? not. Okay. I assume, not. I assume that was the answer, yeah. but you see these guys hunting in like corn fields and stuff. And it's like, I wonder if you're allowed to bait, if you throw corn down or whatever. And I didn't know. So now, no. Uh, so I, I'm no. coming in way late to this conversation. So you may, you guys may have covered some of this stuff and just kind of some of the stuff. I know that most waterfowl, like, or at least migratory birds are covered, are like a federally type yeah. governed type bird or t- thing to hunt, right? Mm-hmm. Are all game birds covered under that? Or is it just migratory, like the, you know, like ducks and geese and waterfowl for the most part? Primarily it's migratory birds unless we have endangered species. Gotcha. Okay. So, so like, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking like partridge or you know stuff like that. That's not considered. Yeah, like grouse and things that are they're a game species. They're uh, they're uh, you know we've got a fluctuating population, but uh, generally huntable and um, you know a very healthy, vigorous population. And uh, so grouse would be in state. You know, we manage those uh, as a state. But when you come to Woodcock, now that's a migratory bird, so that would be under federal regulation. Okay. Okay. No. So yeah, the so, other the other thing is that if we had like something that was, um, you know, it was a, um, uh, a species that was a resident to Michigan, but it was endangered, then yeah, it would have, you know, it would have other protections, state and federal, most likely. So read your rule book. Got Man, it. this yeah. this this would be one of those rule books that I need Jason sitting there. We're going to do an episode on waterfowl rules because yeah. I feel like is there a, is there probably a waterfowl a digest like there yeah. is for everything else? Okay, I guess I've just yeah. Any anymore though, everything is going online. You know, there's a really yeah. cool DNR app that was really popular this year, and um, people. Oh, we've right talked about and, it. We've talked about it. Jason yeah, still okay. hasn't downloaded this damn thing. I give him crap every time about it. <laughs> Well, once it's uploaded on your phone, it's there, right? You don't have to have service to access it. So you can, once it's on your phone, you have access to it all the time. See, Jason? That's awesome. 
Oh, I hear you. I hear you. I think you're just not downloading the app just to spite me at this point. It, it turned into that. First, it was procrastination. Now it's yeah. morphed into spite. Well, all my experience with the state, you know, we've our, our I can say that um, our website is very cumbersome. It's uh, clumsy. It is, you know, and we work on it all the time. But we have so much information, and our our folks do their best to to manage it and make it user friendly. Um, but it's very complex. And so there's normally a little bit of frustration, if not a lot of frustration with people that try to get to our website. However, the DNR app is very user friendly, um, surprisingly fantastic. It's got a lot of information in there and, um, you know, you, all your licenses, it's really user friendly. It's, um, I, I was, I'm pretty impressed with it. I'm I'm a huge fan of it. Um, I have linked it in every bio since the day it came out. Every podcast we've done, I have linked it in every single one. So hopefully, everybody that listens has this damn thing downloaded. So, um, <laughs> but all right, back to bait. So, so by bait, is it anything to do with like the ban on deer? Is why you can't bait, or is it just regardless of that no. you can't bait? No, um, bait. So. Um, you know, waterfall has got a really interesting history and I'll touch on this a little bit. Um, you know, and, and it, it coincides with a lot of things, but, um, you know, a hundred years ago, we didn't have, you know, uh, regulations or laws or anything that pertained to like take. So, um, if somebody was market hunting, for instance, and, you know, there, there was there no bag limits or anything, but what we saw is like declines in, in populations. We saw habitat that was disappearing, um, but we also saw species like passenger pigeons that disappeared from the face of the earth. So, you know, you know there's a lot of things that all came together like 80 years ago. You know, um, the duck stamp, Pittman-Robertson, a lot of clubs. MUCC was developed back then, Ducks Unlimited. Um, you know, I can go on and on about, you know, how, how relevant that was. Um, there was a public outcry, you know, loss of wetlands. Um, and I... To this day, I think if duck hunting wasn't so much fun that we wouldn't have the stringent wetland laws that we have today. Um, so there were there were also, you know, in order to bring ducks back from the brink, um, there was a lot of regulations that had to be put in place and baiting was a really effective one. And so that was off the board from, I don't know when, it, when, when that regulation occurred, but it's been off the, you haven't been able to bait for a long time. That's all I can say. People still try to get away with it, and, um, you know, they'll complain that our, our conservation officers are treating them unfairly or something like that. But um, anytime you're dealing with a migratory bird and federal regulations, these guys are most likely going to enforce it. I think, they, you know, they have to enforce it. So, and baiting's a big no-no. It's, it's you know, when you, when you, if you're shooting at ducks and geese and they continue to circle in and keep coming in for bait, even after you're shooting at them, yeah. just give you an idea. Suspects, you know, yeah. little suspect. It, it, just, yeah. it turns into a slaughter. Yeah. You know. Now, besides baiting, is there a common thing that you see hunters like a mistake that they make in the field, or maybe a, a law they're breaking in the fields, or something besides baiting that you see on a regular basis or hear about? Uh, there's always little things that go on, but, uh, you know, I'm not a conservation officer, so I, I, I don't want to speak for our, you know, our, our law division, um, you know, but, uh, you know, people come up with uh, questions and, 
generally speaking, it's, um, you know, they just want to make sure that they're doing everything right. And so it, it, it can be anything, you know, it's, it's, um, you know, they got to have their boats licensed, you know, um, they have to have the proper lights. They got all kinds of things. If they're going to be operating boats, um, you know, uh, unplugged guns that's the big one too you got you can only you're only allowed to have three three shells that can fit in your gun um that means one in the chamber two, two in the tube right yeah you know you gotta use non-toxic shots so steel bismuth something like that um non-toxic shot and um there's a lot of regulations when it comes to it that's why you know sometimes you're better off you know, finding a mentor making sure that uh, the equipment you're using is is up to standards and you're within the law you're shooting the right things um you know mis people make mistakes occasionally you know um and so they'll come in sometimes they'll, they'll shoot a non-game bird you know a reeve or something that they thought was a duck and, and you know and, and we'll see some of that and um and so you know they're they're new it's an honest mistake and they turn them yeah. over yeah. um you know so, so it's, 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 it could be a combination of things as far as yeah. mistakes. So we, yeah. we like controversial topics here. Bob loves them. Yes. He's, that's why he's here in perfect time. So, <laughs> conspiracy. Um, you going to beat me up? No. Duck, no, 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 no. So no. just duck conspiracies. Yes. <laughs> since, since you brought okay. it, since you brought it up, um, steel shot. I know that's a very controversial topic. There's guys who don't agree with it. There's guys who don't use or don't use steel shot because they don't think it affects the birds. So what's obviously like what, I guess if you can educate the listeners on why steel shot is important and not using lead shot or not using toxic shot, I guess maybe educate the listeners a little bit on that. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you some firsthand experience. You know, we've had, uh, you know, ducks and geese experiencing um, neurological issues on the St. Clair flats and, and it's lead poisoning a lot of times, you know, sometimes it's other things like high path avian influenza or something, but, uh, you know, when we see, you know, ducks or geese acting abnormally, we try to collect those specimens, get them uh, necropsied at the wildlife disease lab. And, uh, and sometimes, you know, it's lead and it's from back when, it, I mean, it could be, you know, modern sinkers and something like that that they ingested. But, um, you know, lead not only um, it'll kill ducks and geese because, you know, they're, they're basically pulling grit off the bottom for processing their foods. And uh, so that grit is usually sand or small pebbles of gravel and things. And if they're grabbing lead shot, it stays in the crop, you know, into their gizzard um, and eventually gets into their, their blood system. And it, their, their brains go wacky. They, they start experiencing neurological problems. They wobble around, they swim in circles, and eventually they die. And, um, you know, it, it's terrible to see an animal go through that. And that's a lot of some of that is still present because there's lead on the Stinkler flats from back when people used it. So, you know, we try to, you know, remind people that it's illegal and it causes uh, serious problems with waterfowl and other birds, things that eat them even, you know, like hawks or owl, uh, hawks, owls, uh, eagles, things that will eat those birds can be infected too. Uh, I think uh, lead poisoning is one of the leading causes of uh, like eagle mortality. Hmm. Um, and that's because they're eating you know, if somebody shot a deer and didn't recover it or they, they threw out some like shoulder matter or something that had like bullet fragments in it, and eagles will eat on that or hawks. 
and uh, it can poison them. Well, yeah, I, I listened to a podcast. This was a while back. I think we talked about it. Um, but I, I mean, I didn't know necessarily why it, steel shot was what you're supposed to use for waterfowl. But then, yeah, listening to the podcast, they talked about all the like the fragments of of the lead shot that fall into the water, and then. You know the ducks, geese, just picking through the 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 silt and the stuff in the bottom and adjusting it. Like I just never put it together as to why it was such a big deal. Like obviously I knew lead poisoning, but I never knew how they got it. Like it was really um, kind of blew my mind with like what a problem it was. And they had, they had talked about how like um, when did this go into effect? It was like eighties, right? It was. I think it was seventy eight. Okay. I, I could be wrong. I'm not. I'm not exactly sure on the date. I remember when I started hunting in nineteen eighty. At that point, we had a used steel shot, you know, and there was no bismuth or anything else on the market. And and uh, so, I mean, people used to use like number six lead. So we started using number four steel, so a little bit heavier, uh, you know, I mean, just a, a bigger pellet. So it carried its momentum um, and velocity. So, um, um, yeah, I, I remember when we went to that and some hunters dropped out. They just weren't effectively killing ducks, and so they didn't like steel shot. And But when I came on the scene, that's all we could use was steel, and we had to let the ducks work in close, and I was fine with that. So, yeah. um, you know, we just couldn't shoot them at, like, 40, 50 yards with the guns we were using. We, we had to let them come in 20, 30, you know? Yep. Hmm. Hey, I think I've, I've read some articles where uh, it covered, like, uh, some of the effects on the reproductive rates of of everything from ducks to eagles. I, I, I know, yeah, eagles, the, the bald between, eagle, it was a yeah. big deal, like, as to it was killing off, like, massive amounts of bald eagles. Right. Um, so you just don't, I said never even put that together. No, I mean, I've, <clears throat> this is the first time I've ever even thought about that being yeah. a thing. I, I think know, something yeah. about yep. thinning the shell or something like that, mm-hmm. like the shell would be too thin. Well, that was DDT. That was different. Oh, okay, so okay. DDT that was, was right. Yeah, yeah that, that was a, a pesticide that was commonly used, and it was it was hurting the reproductive um, uh, process. So, the yeah, the, the shells were, were thinning on a lot of birds. And, Got it. Um, yeah, that was, a, that was DDT, a little bit different. But uh, that, that really led to the decline of, eagles and a bunch of other birds at the time so you know that was outlawed and and let you know as far as ducks you know um you know i think everything converted to non-toxic in about 78 i think 78 or 79 somewhere so you still shot people yep <laughs> you still shot and like i have said on previous episodes don't be an idiot yeah. <laughs> you know yeah, just don't be follow the rules don't be terrible don't be a dumb dumb <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, all right, so one more. I, I don't know if it's controversial, but this is actually from a different listener. Um, they wanted to know your thoughts on because I, I have heard that it's it's I guess it's out there. But what do you think the impact of the Duck Dynasty show had on the waterfowl industry? Do you think it was good? Do you think it was bad? Because I have read some articles where they think it kind of tainted the, the the waterfowl world. To me, I thought it brought a lot of I guess population or not population, but like a lot of people started watching that show and probably got into it from it. But I guess from your side, what do you, what are your thoughts? It's a good question. It definitely had an impact. And I think it was positive. We recruited a lot of hunters. We, right. um, I, I, I think people just realized how fun it is, how fun duck hunting is. And, um, and getting out there, getting muddy, getting dirty and, and just, just, you know, mucking around in the swamps with friends and stuff. I mean, that is a riot. And those guys, 
you know, they, they showed that on their show. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, I don't know what would really be bad, but I, I remember reading articles about this, about how it was hurting the sport. And I'm like, I don't understand how it could hurt, be hurting the sport. Like, are these guys doing something well, wrong? I think shows I, like that, that, you know, yeah, I, I don't think it did. I think it, it got a lot of people yeah. into Duck Hunting. We, all across the, the nation, we've seen an uprise in, in Duck Hunting. And, and it was also it was kind of funny because some of these uh, hunters I was seeing for the first time, I, you know, over the years when this was all going on, um, they'd come into the, into the, you know, check station at Harsons Island. They got all the gear and, and beers and everything else. They look like, like a dyed in the wool experienced duck hunter. Like, this is my first year. It's because of duck dynasty. Yep. Yeah. They got all the duck dynasty beers. swag. How many beers were grown because yeah. of that show? Yeah. Well, they, they said, you know, we, we just don't, we don't know what we're doing. We're new and, we really want to get into it. So they started asking questions and, and they've been hunting there ever since. And, you know, they got a few years under their belt. They're learning all the time. And um, it, it's so much fun to see how people, uh, you know, they develop over the years. They blossom and, and really enjoy the sport, you know, yep. and, and duck is delicious, you know, back in, I mean, there was market hunting for a reason, you know, the, it was a delicacy at some of the finest restaurants in Detroit and Chicago and Cleveland and places. And um, so, especially like uh, redheads and canvas packs and, um, you know, and mallards. Um, but yeah, it, it was a delicacy. And then, you know, people got away from it for a long time. But uh, my goodness, it's fantastic table fare. It's my kid's favorite meat. So it's funny you say that because that's like that's the next question I had was what's your favorite way to prepare either duck or goose? I guess which one do you like more, and then what's your favorite way to prepare it? I've only had it a couple times, and it was really good. Um, I it was. I, I, I was surprised that it was like a red meat. Um, <laughs> it, I yeah, felt like I was eating meat, a steak, but, um, but. you know, I, I was uh, when I was young, I was taught the right way to process duck, and. Then you get into your later teenage years where everything's fast track and I did it differently and it didn't have the same flavors. So I'll give you a little rundown. Back when I started, we hung them for like four, four days in the cool out in the garage when it was, you know, 40 degrees out. And I thought, man, they're going to rot, you know, but they had, we never even field dressed them. They just hung there. And I thought, what do you, why are we doing this? But it was my buddy's dad, you know, and, and then we would go out there and we'd pluck them and we'd actually wax them if they're really pin feathery and stuff. And we'd singe, singe them down and they look like a beautiful chicken when we were done. But it was a lot of effort. They were fantastic. Then I got to the point where I had to do them fast. So as soon as I got them back, I was, I was just breasting them out. I was skinning them out, breasting them out. And the meat was way different. It was very red. It was not nearly as tender. And it was, um, it was more wild tasting, you know, uh, more gamey. And so then as I thought about it and, and, uh, it went back to plucking and, and, uh, and, and processing, hanging them, let them age. Um, it's delicious stuff. It's so mild, so tender and so incredible. I mean, I've had duck where in my opinion, almost tastes like a wild Turkey. And, but, um, there's lots of different recipes you know, for it. Um, I like, uh, either oven roasted, I'll grill them, I'll spatchcock them on the grill. Um, sometimes I'll rub a, like a marmalade on them a little bit, you know, when they're almost done, um, sear them, cook them slow, but that, that meat and the fat and the skin combined 
is all, it's like, it all has to be there. Otherwise it's not the same bird. Mm. You have to have that, you know, that the fat in along with the meat. I'm hungry. Right. Let's eat. Have you ever had duck? Oh yeah. yeah. I've had it in like, like a stew. Like that's kind of mm. the only way I've had it. And it's like mm. a duck stew. So mm. have you ever had duck? No. No. <laughs> well, so some, I, I will say that some species are better than others. Some of the, like your, Golden eyes, buffalo heads, uh, you know, I, I, they're they're okay, but you get to like mallards, black ducks, pintails, uh, redheads, canvasbacks, um, they are delicious. Um, Widgeon are real tender, mild, delicate duck. They're they're fantastic. I'm gonna talk to some of my duck hunting buddies and give me some yep. ducks. <laughs> yeah, just just so we can, just so we can try cooking them out. Nope, come on for a hunt. That's what I say. Go hunting. Yep. Uh, not nothing beats your own ducks. Yep. yep. I'm uh, I'm in. I, I knew by the end of this thing, it was I was going to have a new hobby. Yeah. So yeah, thanks for spending our money, Terry. Yeah. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. it. <laughs> <laughs> my, my pleasure. Because yeah. I don't have enough hobbies as it is. <laughs> yeah. I just needed one more. So yeah, we're gonna have a uh, an episode uh, based on some bold predictions, and I bet uh, there's gonna be some duck hunting uh, bold predictions for this year. So. I don't, uh, I don't know. I've already got mine lined up, but <laughs> I don't know. You know. I think I'm going to give up going well, because I suck things, at that. So. <laughs> yeah. I, I do a lot of different forms of hunting. I like small game hunting. I go for rabbits, squirrels, uh, turkey, deer, um, you know, but, and I trap, you know, I, I, the past couple of years, I just haven't done much of that because the fur prices are so depressed and I'm not sure what to do with hides, you know? Um, so uh, I haven't been engaging in that much, but my entire life, duck hunting has been the most fun thing I've ever done. So that that's it's my go-to. That's awesome. All right, Terry, save the best for last. So um, I kind of give you a heads up on this before, but uh, as our a premise of our show is uh, we like to ask our guests to tell a terrible story from some time in their, their time out, outdoors. So um, you said you got a pretty good story. So what? Uh, talk, talk to us about a time where you had uh, just something terrible happen. Tell us your terrible outdoorsman <laughs> story. Well, my terrible story, it was actually a little embarrassing. Um, I was uh, down in southeast Michigan. I was work, I was a wildlife biologist for uh, Lake St. Clair and in and, uh, and, I decided, you know, that uh, I was going to go out to Harsons and and I invited the uh, regional supervisor, who was Tim Payne at the time, and and we had Russ Mason go with us. He wanted to go hunt Harsons Island. And so I had Russ Mason, who was the chief of wildlife division at the time, come out for a hunt. And I had all my gear and I had my boat and everything else. So I was going to treat these guys to a nice hunt. And um, we got out and we actually had a great time. We, we had a pretty decent pick in the draw at Harsons. Uh, we got a nice corn zone. It was a, it was a great day. It was beautiful. We shot ducks. And, um, as we were leaving, the sun's going down and, um, I can't get my motor to start. It starts and it, it coughs and it dies and I couldn't get that thing restarted. So here I am with the chief of wildlife division and he offers to row. So I got him rolling and I, I, I said, Russ, I'll do it. I'll do it. He's like, no, no, no. And and uh, it was pretty embarrassing to have the chief of wildlife division out there rowing <laughs> me and the regional supervisor and my rig back to the back to the boat launch. So that you know, but I think we've all had those days. Yeah, we've we've told some stories where our boats break down and yeah. right in the middle of the lake. Yeah, I, we didn't do it with the our boss on there, but <laughs> yeah, but when, when you got your boss's boss's boss, you know. Yeah. 
Yep. Doing the rowing, it's not very good. Yeah. It doesn't look good. Yeah, it figures that would happen, too, at that moment. Yeah, of course. That's good. And especially that story wasn't about poop. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the yes. best part. Yes. Mur- Murphy's Law, though. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Murphy's Law. That's a well, good you- one. You banded you banded geese with us. You know all about getting covered in poop. Oh my god, that that was the downfall of it. It was a it, it was a shitty situation there. I tell you what, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall watching you guys try to corral them geese. Oh, dude, it, that would have been. I'm awesome. telling you, <laughs> Terry, let's set it up. Let's get these guys out there to to corral some geese whenever hey, you guys need to ban some geese. As long as you got well, some extra oxygen, listeners. Yeah, a lot of your listeners probably don't realize it, but geese go through a full molt and. Uh, you know, right in June. And um, so around mid-June, uh, they pretty much go flightless. And so we just round them up like cattle. And that's what you guys were part of. You know, we walk them in the nets. Um, there's only a handful of them that can fly. Most of them can't. And even the ones that can fly, I don't think they can. So they don't like to leave their babies. You know, it all coincides with, uh, with uh, you know, the, the goslings that are produced. And so the adults will go through a full molt. And, um uh, and that's when we take advantage of them and, and humiliate them by sexing them and aging them and everything else. And, but, um, you know, putting bands on them and recording all that information and then sending them on their merry way. All right, boys, get ready. Middle of June. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds sweaty. <laughs> so it, that, was, uh, it was, it was warm that day. It was, uh, yeah. Yeah. but it was, it was, it was cool to see. I, I find that really fascinating. I actually. feel, I don't know where the film is, but I filmed like almost the entire thing. <laughs> Nice. I, it's somewhere in, in, in the cloud. You lost it. <laughs> I, don't, it honestly, I don't know. It was right when we were grand opening that store, and it was just chaos. Like yeah. I, I'm sure I lost it. So nice. Well, that's awesome. Um, very cool. Well, Dan, you got any other questions for Terry? No questions. I uh, I, I think this was great, um, Terry. I really appreciate you joining us and kind of shedding some light on the uh, you know the the conservation efforts that you guys have doing have done and that you're going to continue to do. Um, so really, really appreciate that. So thank you, Jason. Well, I, you you've know, been quiet. <laughs> oh, sorry, Terry. Go ahead. No, I, I appreciate it. It's it's always nice to reach out, and you know, you know, we're here for people. We want to be a resource. You know, we we are stewards of the resource. Uh, we work for the people of the state of Michigan. You know, they own the resource. They own the state land. You know, we just manage it. So um, the more information we can get out and invite people to you know, participate in some of the activities that we do and, and attend our open houses and look at stuff online and ask us questions, you know, we're, we're people just like them and we're pretty approachable. So hopefully uh, podcasts like this will get the word out. That's what we're all about, right? That's Conservation. Right. That's right. Captain Jason. Um, I have only been duck hunting a couple times. And so just sitting here this shame evening listening. <laughs> For shame. <laughs> yeah. Um, so sitting here just listening uh, to Terry answer the questions that we had was, um, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed having you on, Terry, and, and it was a good time. And I hope to uh, see you um, this Saturday at the fishing show. Yep, I'll be there. Awesome. Cool. Yeah, it's de- definitely uh, stop by and see us. Uh, ho- hopefully, we'll definitely get to meet you for sure. So, Yeah, looking forward to it. Bob, you just came in. but <laughs> Yeah, sorry I'm late. I could have added more to the conversation, yeah. I think. Yeah, if uh, if I would have been on time, but uh, I was. Thanks, putting... Army. Yeah, thanks a lot. Uh, but no, I just want to say thanks to Terry for coming out or for um, you know coming on and and uh, educating all the listeners. It's awesome. It was a ton of fun, um, Terry. Any any final comments before we wrap up? 
No, I just appreciate the opportunity. Thank you guys so much and good luck with the podcast. And, you know, uh, hopefully you build a, you know, your, your, um, your, your listening public continues to grow and um, all the best. Appreciate it. You know, we're, uh, we, we've said it before. We're not necessarily doing this to try to quit our day jobs. We're just doing it just to have some fun. Um, it's just taken off a lot faster. And it's bigger there. It's, it's, it's a lot, there. a lot bigger than we anticipated. <laughs> yeah. So, um, the ride has been fun and we're only what, nine months into this, yeah. 10 months into this. So it's, uh, it's been fun. It's been, uh, you know, when we started this, I definitely didn't think within the first nine months that we were going to have people like Spencer Berman on, uh, Terry. Um, I just didn't think we were gonna get to that level to have some cool guests on like this. So um, I'm thrilled that we could, we had a chance to sit down, Terry. I, I, I appreciate it. Um, you know, like I said, I know we, it took a couple months to put it together, but I appreciate you taking time and your, your busy work schedule to sit down and talk to a bunch of, you know, hooligans, hooligans like us. Um, I, I appreciate it. It's uh, it's been a good time on a topic that I I just didn't know a lot about. Um, I I gained a, a wealth of knowledge and and honestly some some interest and in, uh, I really did. I'm gonna have to consider my hobbies. <laughs> well, it's the kind of the beauty of social media, right? You know, you can stay connected and network and all the rest of this stuff. And and I th- I think that's the the upside of the whole you know. Um, all the technology is, uh, you know, being able to network with folks and, um, and spread the word. And, you know, uh, it's just, you know, it's just a, it can be a very useful tool and very good productive tool. Yep. Very cool. All right, boys. Any, any other comments? All good. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Thanks again, Terry, for joining. Um, This has been a lot of fun. Um, As we said a minute ago, uh, don't forget, we're going to be at the fishing show uh, this weekend. By the time I post this, it'll pretty much be the day of the fishing show. Yeah. Um, So come see us. uh, Terry's going to be there just to hang out and, and see us. So, and, and hang out and see the fishing show, but, um, come see the boys at the booth. Um, I think most of us will be there on Saturday. Um, Dan and I will be there. I think Jimmy's going to be there a couple days beforehand. And then, um, I don't know who's coming Sunday. So we'll, at some point, all of us will be there, but come say hi. Um, we're going to have some cool things that we're raffling off. Um, y'all to come to the booth to, to see what it is. So we're going to have some prizes some some giveaways and, um, a few other things and, uh, you know, and check out the fishing complete booth. They've got a, a really cool setup that they're going to have. Um, they're going to have a lot of, and they, they kind of turned it into a party. Um, some of the stuff they're talking about doing, it's, it's going to be a good time. I'm glad we, uh, we partnered up with those guys. So it's going to be fun. So, um, other than that, that's all I got boys. Thanks again. And as always get outdoors and don't be terrible.